Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello, Hawkeye fans. Welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe, recording on Tuesday, September the 20th, a little before 9.15 a.m. Central Time. Not as many questions this week, and that's probably a good sign that uh, things are looking up after um, last week's loss to Iowa State. Iowa bounces back with a 27-0 victory over Nevada in a game that took seven hours uh, in real time to play. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys are aware of the lightning delays and what have you. Uh, made that a very long night at Kinnick Stadium, but one that was well worth it for Iowa, which needed a little bit of spark, signs of life on offense, and we saw that. Still not, uh, still not a well-oiled machine, and it may never get there this season. Chances are it probably won't. Um, but if you can get that type of offensive output with um, the level of defense Iowa plays and the um, special teams play as well, you're going to be in business. And we'll find out this week because the Hawkeyes travel halfway across the country to New Jersey to face Rutgers on Saturday evening. I think that's a 6 o'clock Central kick. Um, Rutgers is planning uh, a bunch of promotions. So a stadium that, you know, isn't really very daunting for the visitors. Could have a nice crowd and it could be a home field advantage for Rutgers Iowa, last I looked, was favored by seven and a half points, which seems like a lot when you consider these are two defensive-dominated teams. Rutgers, I believe, has not allowed 50 yards rushing in any game this season, and I think it's second nationally in rushing defense, which is not a good thing for Iowa, which wants to run the football to set up play action in its passing game. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what type of uh, offensive game plan Brian Ferentz can come up with because I think this is a game where you may need to pass to set up the run rather than the other way around. And that's not really Iowa's uh, comfort zone. So it may take a little bit of adjustment from Iowa. I fully expect this to be a game where both teams 
play very conservatively offensively. They do that most of the time anyway, but knowing that the other team's offense is unlikely to put together a bunch of, you know, long drives and electric scoring plays, it's probably going to be a situation where Greg Schiano and Kirk Ferentz both have their offensive coordinators play a conservative game plan, be willing to punt the football, play the field position game. Rutgers is very much like Iowa in terms of having um, quite um, questionable is not the right word. Inconsistent play at quarterback and um, inconsistent offenses. Both are, I think, among the I think the the two last place offenses in the Big Ten when it comes to total offense, which is yards per game. I think they are at the bottom of the Big Ten. So. This is uh, the total for this game. The last I looked was 35. So uh, that is just I don't, for people that don't gamble, that is just unusually low total uh, for a football game, college football, particularly NFL. You know, they're, they can be lower scoring games, but this is really expected to be a defensive struggle where field position and maybe turnover here and there um, comes into play. Uh, and I think that's going to be the case. Field goal kicking could be big. Punting could be big. This is this is a a, uh, a game made for what Iowa fans are used to seeing, whether you like it or not. Coffee sip. Uh, let's see. Let's jump in here with some questions. Again, we don't have as, as many this week, and uh, that's uh, uh, fully related to uh, Iowa showing – uh, some signs of life on Saturday night and just the wonkiness of that game where it was hard to really get a true evaluation. Uh, Iowa was able to run the football, which was a great sign. Uh, took some deep shots, which we've talked about on this podcast and the Hot Spot podcast. Iowa needs to try to stretch the field with some passes down the field. Didn't hit them for the most part, but threw them and put enough on film to make it more difficult for defenses to prepare for them. Um, now you have to, uh, you know, you've got Brody Brecht on film running deep patterns and getting balls thrown to him. Uh, Keegan Johnson, same thing. Arlen Bruce did some different things the other night, got some uh, different running backs now, got three different running backs that are on film. So Iowa was able to diversify its uh, its offense to get, more on film for teams to scout. So that's a, that's a good thing too, because now you can build off of that and maybe run some thing, run some plays off of what you've shown previously that look different to teams when, you know, you make some adjustments. I think you can, you're building your resume, so to speak on offense. And now you just have to execute some of those longer throws. Um, Brody Brecht hasn't played a ton. And so, that was kind of an odd um, – it was an odd look to go to those deep throws with a guy that hasn't played much and who's had injuries. But, again, it's it was, overall you like that Iowa is putting more on film for teams to have to prepare for. All right, 44M less at 44M less on Twitter. I don't think I've ever gotten a question from you. Don't be a stranger. Appreciate you checking in. What – Grade A to F, would you give the Iowa offensive line at this point of the season? Do you think the grade will be different by the end of the season? Also, in regards to Cooper DeGene, what former Hawkeye does he remind you of? Desmond King, possibly? 
Thanks. Thank you again for sending in the question. Uh, the offensive line, I don't want to go full F because I think it was better and it's getting better, but I think D's probably deserved. It was not good the first two weeks, took a step forward last week, but the level of defense, as I talked about a few minutes ago, is going to be ratcheted up quite a bit when you go from Nevada to Rutgers. And I know Rutgers is kind of a punchline when it comes to football in the Big Ten, but Greg Schiano back in 2020, he's building something here. He's one of the few coaches that's had success in the modern era at Rutgers. Uh, so this is not going to be a pushover game for Iowa, and it's going to be challenged offensively, and that will start up front. Rutgers has some good defensive linemen, some really good defensive linemen and some linebackers and some playmakers on the back end that if Iowa makes mistakes, it's going to cost it. Um, I do think it'll be better as the season goes on. Um, you know, it was much better last year as the season went on and really peaked in the uh, Capital One Bowl against Kentucky. Unfortunately, it was too late in the season for it to matter that much. So the development and growth this year needs to happen much quicker than it did last year. You know, um, they're playing, shoot, what are they playing? Like seven or eight guys now regularly. So I think at some point you have to settle on five, six guys uh, and say, okay, these are our guys going forward. I, I worry that if you continue to juggle seven to eight guys, it's going to hurt the chemistry and continuity and zone blocking. You want to have guys that are used to playing together that move together almost in a, um, I don't know how, what, what would be a good comparison for that. Just having guys knowing what the other guys are doing and working together in unison. And if you're rotating guys in, in different positions uh, they're rotating a tackle now. They're rotating in the guard. The only guy that's really not getting rotated for uh, is Logan Jones in the middle. And Connor Colby seems pretty set on the right tackle spot. At least he should be. But uh, I think that's right. Yeah, Plum's playing left. I think that's right. I don't get this. I don't get to see as many, much as I want to on game days because I'm shooting photos, and then I come home and rewatch the games usually on. Uh, on Sunday or Monday. And I did rewatch that, but I didn't pay as attention. I didn't pay as much attention to who was in other, more of how the unit was doing as a whole, but I do think it will get better um, as the season goes on. Like I said, I would like to see them pare down who they're playing a little bit. You know, I think you could probably still continue with a rotation of uh, uh, Jennings. Uh, is it? Yeah. Is it Jennings or Decker? I for whatever I mix I mix that guy's name up with Hunter Deckers, but at left guard I think you can kind of maybe uh, or, yeah left guard you can continue with a the rotation there, but I think you want to settle down on the other four guys. And I know Jack Plum probably deserves to play some, but if he can't be, beat out Colby and Richmond, you know he's an injury replacement uh, at that point because I don't think it's something where you're saving guys, uh, you know. Uh, physically, because Iowa doesn't run enough offensive plays for them to get worn out. So I think uh, I think settling down the offensive line will help it reach its ceiling. Cooper DeGene's a tough comp, man. Um, yeah, Desmond King kind of, but Desmond, I think, was more 
Um, what's the word I'm looking for? More cornerback centric. Whereas I really think DeGene is corner safety cash. I think he's, I think he's probably close to being equally as good at all of those. And, and obviously Desmond's gone on to be a slot corner in the pros uh, and has shown his versatility, but I don't think we have a direct comp to Cooper. And I think part of that is the, that the um, cash position is relatively new, maybe a hybrid between Desmond King and Amani Hooker. That's kind of very <laughs> lofty, a lofty comparison with two guys that are in the NFL making money. Um, but I think the kid has that type of potential. He's very good in coverage. He's tackles well. Uh, he's a hitter. He understands the game. Uh, the future is really bright. And I know we've had some people through the years that he's been here uh, pining for him to be the quarterback, maybe in a wildcat set. Um, but I think he's too valuable on defense and he's not going to come in and just go all uh, Johnny Manziel college uh, as a quarterback. I know some of you believe that would happen, but one that takes time and it's a big jump up from high school to pro or high school to college. When you're talking about um, quarterback play and particularly in this system, he would not be able to probably do, it would be difficult for Iowa uh, to loosen up its beliefs uh, to accommodate Cooper DeGene's strengths as a quarterback. So we'll leave it at that. Clint, ha- Clint Harms, a frequent contributor to the Mailbag podcast, asks, and he, Clint is at Until Game on Twitter, is your job easier material-wise when things are heading south for a particular season or when the team is having a dream season? I prefer the latter, Clint, but I think both of those scenarios are easier from a material standpoint. And we're not talking about personal enjoyment here uh, or, you know, mentally uh, enjoyable. Because I think when things are going bad, it's hard on everybody. Um, and the media kind of gets lumped into that with not asking the tough questions. And when you post anything on social media, it's met with vitriol and all that stuff. And that's part of the job. I mean, I talked about it with Scott on the hot on the hotspot podcast last week. It sucks as a journalist, but that's kind of what you're, you sign up for. Um, uh, fans have, uh, a soundboard on social media to complain and usually the media gets looped into that, especially because the coaches and the players aren't really on social media as much and interacting with people and people want people to agree with their assessment and criticisms and all that. So that's difficult from that standpoint, from a material standpoint, I think when things are going great, there's just a bunch of things, good things to write about and people are feeling good and, People want to consume your content. It's positive and everybody's in a good mood. That to me is the most preferred outcome or scenario for, of what you're describing, Clint. Um, but when things go really bad, people are also pretty engaged and they want to see if your analysis lines up with theirs. And I think, you know, that can be engaging as well, although that's really difficult just because the coaches and the players are going through a tough time 
and you're having to report on it. Um, but there is material there for, you know, to answer your question. The worst thing is mediocrity in that, you know, six, seven win, five, six, seven win seasons. And we, thankfully we haven't had a lot of those around here, you know, right around 500, maybe a game or two under 500 in the big 10 that's met with apathy. And that is the worst thing in this business when you have apathetic fans, because no matter what content you produced, produce positive, negative, um, a lot of people don't want to engage. They're, they check out. And that uh, we saw that a lot with Steve Alford with the basketball program. And that is not a good place to be in. And that's the place I don't want to be in. So I'm hoping this season can get to eight or nine wins. I know people are laughing at that comment, but I've been doing this as my 26th season covering Iowa football, all 24 with Kirk Ferentz. And I've been in this position before where people are down and saying, you know, this thing is coming off the rails and it's going to be an awful season. And Iowa slowly builds and gets better and better as the season goes on and maybe gets a marquee win here and there. So hang in there, folks. Uh, Oatmeal at Oatmeal Lover on Twitter. I believe you've been in before but not frequently so good to hear from you again um kf has said he is pretty hands off with the defense how specific has he ever gotten with how much he is involved in the offense game planning play calling in-game decisions schemes etc he won't get specific one of um one of his coffee set i need a coffee set before this One of the things he said to us early on was the less you say, the less you have to take back. So he opens up on certain things, but mostly he's pretty guarded um, and he's been guarded with how much he's involved in the offense. Just he sits in with offense meetings, offense with the meetings on offense. He doesn't do that with defense. So just his presence in there and him, being involved in the game plan being put together, just sitting in there. He's going to have comments and opinions, and he's going to share them. He's the head coach. So um, I would say that the foundation, the tenets, the philosophy of this offense, particularly in the running game and blocking schemes, those are Kirk. So that's where uh, – you you work off of if you're the offensive coordinator whether it be O'Keefe, Greg Davis, Brian Ferentz you work off of this is what we do blocking wise and running wise you work off of that plan so automatically the offensive coordinator is maybe not handcuffed but has to work within the parameters of that and that makes it a little bit more difficult whether than what if you were just given complete autonomy and being able to call whatever you want and do whatever you want that's not going to happen at least not now not with the way it's set up Kirk is so my my hunch here is and, and again he hasn't actually told us this my hunch is the game plan each week is based on what can be done in the running game and what you can get off of that running game. And that's where the game plan, you build it from there. 
and that's Kirk's philosophy. So that's how I would answer that question, Oatmeal. Um, you know, there's probably a, a, a lot I don't know, which would not be uh, unusual. <laughs> I love to laugh at my own jokes. But that, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind closed doors that we don't know about. And there's a lot involved with football that I don't, I admittedly don't know. I know a lot, but there's a lot more that I don't know. Just like Kirk Ferentz was an English major uh, in college, I think in high school. And he probably could give me some tips and have some opinions about how I write. Uh, But he hasn't had the experience I've had in, in my doing my job. So it's kind of a um, compare. I'd make that comparison. So there you go. Oatmeal with a second question. How much do KF's assistant coaches take questions post game or in general during the season? I might be wrong, but it seems some players answer more than coaches and that seems unbalanced. How does this compare to most programs? I'd like to hear from the DC OC, et cetera. This is a great question. And one that I, uh, that it's one of my pet peeves with how Kirk does things. And I'll answer this question on the other side of some business we have to do here. I want to let folks know support comes support for this podcast comes from systems unlimited celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at S U I Doing great work at Systems Unlimited. We will hear from a few more of our sponsors here and be be back to answer Oatmeal's question on the other side. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483, 400-4483. Oriza Asian Cuisine and Bar is celebrating its fifth year anniversary. Enjoy Chinese, Vietnamese, Thai, and Korean all combined into one menu. Visit 5 Sturgis Corner Drive next to Staples in Iowa City. Open 11 to 10 every day, 365 days a year, or visit online at arisaic.com. Hi, this is A.J. Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. And we are back. Thank you to our sponsors, as always. Uh, For those with short memories or short attention spans, I will read Oatmeal's question again. How much do KF's assistants take questions post-game or in general during the season? I might be wrong, but it seems some players answer more than coaches, and that seems unbalanced. How does this compare to most programs? I'd like to hear from our DC offense coordinator, etc. Okay, so a couple uh, of uh, questions there rolled into one. Um, so I don't know how it works at most programs. I I do pay attention to what happens in state. Iowa Iowa State, I believe, makes its coordinators available each week via Zoom. 
what Iowa does is it has an assistant coach, a different assistant coach each Wednesday via Zoom. So far, we have had Brian Ferentz after week one and Kelvin Bell after week two. We have another one this Wednesday. It hasn't been announced who that will be. And that's basically it for Brian Ferentz. He's done answering questions probably till the bowl game, maybe the bye week. Sometimes we get it in there. Um, but you're right. It's nowhere close. Spencer Petrus is out there every single week, uh, every Tuesday. We will have him today at 11 o'clock. Uh, this morning, he'll come out and answer questions. And he does it every week, win or lose, good performance or bad. He's out there every week. It's something that's bugged me. Um, we have more access now probably than we ever did for the assistant coaches. But for guys that make, you know, let's call it, Phil's over a million a year. Brian's about at a million a year. I, I don't think it would be that hard either post game or during the week to take 10 or 15 minutes to answer questions from the media, which is a direct um, conduit to fans. So, you know, if Iowa goes out and loses this week to Rutgers, comes back and loses against Michigan and the offense is awful, Brian Ferris doesn't have to answer any questions about it. To me, that's unfair. Um, when you're when you're sending your quarterback out there, so it's something Kirk's done from the start. It's way he, it's the, he answers for the coaching staff. It's been that way since the jump. Uh, that's kind of the way he likes the setup. I don't I don't agree with it. Um, I don't think he cares what I think. But I'm with you. I think uh, I think that th- that is not the best setup. Um, to have Spencer Petras have to answer questions and Brian not. Uh, Drake Timbers, and this is from September 19th, which was yesterday. Did Iowa play more shotgun than previous weeks? Did the offense and blocking look better out of the shotgun? I think it gives Iowa a little bit more of an opportunity to uh, diversify. Uh, It's easier to roll Spencer Petras out from a shotgun rather than a drop say a seven step drop and then roll that's that's quite a bit more movement for a guy who's not the most mobile in the world so you can do more there um i think it gives you a better view of the defense when you step when you're back you can see the whole defense a little bit better it's a different perspective on that um how much more than the first two weeks i would say i don't have a percentages uh i know guys you know pro football focus or whatever it is, breaks things down like that. I get into analytics, but don't go overboard on that stuff. Uh, But I would say that um, from just from observation, when again, it was so wonky, um, you know, uh, especially when Iowa had the lead there in the fourth and, you know, they were kind of, it was kind of salting the way game away with running the ball that was under center. So it wasn't a true measure of how much I think they're going to run shotgun, but we'll see. Uh, I, it was a nice change, a different look, something that I thought Spencer Petrus looked a little bit more comfortable running out of. So we'll see how that, um, develops as the season goes on. Uh, E at NBA, NBA underscore fan underscore 2014, a weekly contributor to the podcast. Appreciate his input. Where were you at the spring game and practice, and how did Padilla compare to Petrus then? Uh, I thought Petrus looked better in the spring, and I was at that. 
practice. But again, we get exposure twice out of all the workouts in the spring, all the workouts in August, we get two. We get one in the spring, one in August. So that's just a small percentage of practices. With that in mind, I thought Petrus looked better in both of the workouts. Padilla looks fine. I I mean, if you look back at what he looked like during the games last year, that's basically who he is, just like you have a large sample size of what Spencer Peters looks like. I think we know who both of these quarterbacks are. We don't know who Joey Labus is. I don't know if we will know. This season, I have my doubts uh, that they would go to a young guy, but you never know. Uh, why do fans sell out football season tickets and then not understand that nothing will change? Because they want the, t- they want the tickets. It's all based on expectations. And this year, Fans had high expectations coming off a 10-win season and a spot in the Capital One Bowl or uh, the Citrus Bowl. I don't know if it's still sponsored by Capital One. If not, Capital One can kick in some money to the Hawk Fanatic podcast feed for me giving it a shout-out. But um, that's just the way it goes. Uh, you know. And then coming off a bad season, fans often will take the wait-and-see approach. But with Iowa football, the tickets go fast, and especially the good tickets, people want them. They don't want to take chance of not take the chance of not being able to get them because it is, you know, it's the most popular sport in the state is college football and Iowa football. Um, Iowa State's caught up some, but Iowa football is still the most watched sport in the state that plays within the state. So. People don't want to miss out. I would say that would be my answer to that question. What do you think the hardest opponent for Iowa men's basketball is going to be this season and why? Duke, because it's Duke, uh, and it's on a neutral court. I would expect Duke to probably be ranked within the top five, at least the top ten to start the season. Um, perhaps a Big Ten team will be ranked that highly, uh, but I don't know. The Big Ten lost a lot of talent, as you can tell from the NBA draft. There were a lot of high first-round picks coming out of the Big Ten, so you're going to need the influx of recruits to be able to make up for that. And we'll see if it happens. You never know. So um, I think the Big Ten could be down a little bit, at least from star power, and that's what the rankings will be. Um, and we'll see how it shakes out. Michigan will be good again. Ohio State will be good again. Purdue will be good again. Illinois will be good again. They'll have plenty of teams in the Big Ten that are going to be tough games, and it's tough to uh, – say which and where, you know, depending on where they're played. But um, if we're just looking right now how things stand, I will go with Duke again because it's Duke and they have a lot of good players. Let's see here. Did I miss anybody? doesn't look like it missed anybody. I did have a question from another thread that was not in here, but I found it interesting. Um, it was asked – not this isn't somebody uh from that is in the asked the question in the mailbag, excuse me. This was somebody who asked the question below a tweet that I had yesterday, and uh it was Iowa's opponent this week, Rutgers, has lost nineteen Big Ten games in a row at home. The Scarlet Knights last one at home in conference play on November fourth, two thousand seventeen against Maryland. So some people say I'm jinxing the team by putting that out there. I just found that to be a very unusual stat. Rutgers has one on the road, by the way. 
but not at home. And I think it, it needs you, that needs context. Rutgers plays in the East, so each year it's playing Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State. So it's a little bit different. Than, if that was happening in the West, then that would be really alarming. But they play – I mean, they basically get a chance. And I think they won at Indiana last uh, or last year, but they basically get Indiana and Maryland, at least with the teams that the Scarlet Knights have had recently. Those are pretty much the winnable games, and the and then whatever crossovers they have. But Maryland and uh, Indiana are the winnable games, and then the other games are probably not going to be winnable games in the in the uh, division. So that context and perspective needs to be put out there. But I had Teriyaki sixty nine, Teriyaki ninety nine at Teriyaki ninety nine asked, "What is Iowa's strength of schedule ranking after week four? It's actually after week three because it was week zero. But get your point. Uh, I would say it's week four as well. But to answer your question, teamrankings.com, which monitors this, these stats, analytics, uh, has Iowa at 73 among 131 FBS programs. So roughly in the middle, uh, a little below the, the middle part, but, um, 73. And I won't go into the how they figure it out. Um, but Alabama has the hardest schedule. Texas is number two. In terms of the Big Ten, Purdue has played the most difficult schedule at one and two. Ohio State is the third at or is the eleventh ranked team and three and zero. Uh, so two spots behind Purdue. And Penn State is twelfth among difficulty or strength of schedule through three games. So, uh, three Big Ten teams in the top 12, and I will play two of them in Purdue and Ohio State, Miss Penn State this year. Going down uh, among Big Ten teams, Michigan State is 28th. Iowa misses them this year. Uh, scrolling down some more. Where is the next Big Ten team? Is it Iowa? Uh, it looks like it is Iowa. No, Illinois is at 66 and Maryland is at 71. So those two teams are both ahead of Iowa. Nebraska is one spot behind Iowa at 74. Um, Wisconsin is at 79. Indiana is at 81. And I know what you're asking yourself. What about Minnesota? Well, Michigan is at 96. So I still, the jury is still out on Michigan. Northwestern is at 98 and is one and two. That is not good. Rutgers, who Iowa plays this week and is three and oh, is at 102. So basically 30 spots behind the Hawkeyes. And then we scroll down and scroll down. Where's Minnesota? Oh, there's Minnesota. 129 out of 131. Minnesota's three and oh, with the third easiest schedule so far among F. BS team. So let's not go gaga over the Gophers yet. There's still a lot of season to be played. Uh, I forget who Minnesota plays this week. They have a tough game and it is on the road and that'll change its strength of schedule. Let's see. Michigan State at Michigan State. Good test. They got uh, Gophers have Michigan State on the road, then Purdue and uh, 
uh, Purdue at home, then at Illinois and Penn State. So we'll find out more about the Gophers here in the coming weeks. But uh, don't go crazy with Michigan and Minnesota yet. It, they have both had very easy schedules. So I believe that's all the questions for this week, folks. Thank you, everybody, for sending them in. Thank you to our sponsors. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you a week from today. Peace.